to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is the Local Bar. I am your very lovely host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartMedia. Uh, you can find us also on KKTY out there in the great state of Missouri. Uh, we love being a part of that group. If you want to be a part of the show, chat at localbarmedia.com. You can support the show, patreon.com slash localbar. How's everybody doing this week? Well, let me tell you how old Chad's doing this week. You know, there's um, there's quite a bit going on in the world today. There's a lot of different topics we could get into. Uh, I don't know if you if you come to this show as an escape from the ordinary. Uh, if you come here for a hard hitting political news, you've you've come to the wrong show, especially since this show is. Uh, hell-bent on being positive <laughs> this show was was created uh to share more positive stories with the world so if you are looking for news i have got some for you it is you are in the wrong place um but there is there's a lot that's going on in the world today there's a lot of different topics we can get into um and and i i've i've struggled this week on where exactly to start um, but something happens this time of year and, and just, there's only one thing I keep hearing. That's right. Oh, out there on the horizon, just to the West. It is that time of year again. It is football season and it is time for the Dallas Cowboys to come back to the football field and save us, save us from the boring lives of which we live when it is not football season. Oh, I'm highly aware that there are very many of you that care nothing for the Dallas Cowboys or maybe not even for football, but this, this time of year, if you see me walking down the street, this is most likely what's playing in my head. Here's just a little bit of what it's like. I'm walking down the street. It's a beautiful day. It's a sunny day. This is what's in my head. I mean, how can you not love them? And, and get this. Not only the Cowboys haven't even stepped on the field yet. And we already have a player suspended for substance abuse, ladies and gentlemen. Your 2019 Dallas Cowboys. Holding up the traditions of the past. There's nothing like it. Cheering for America's team means there'll be plenty of soap operas on and off the field. It's already started. And we just got through the first couple of weeks of training camp. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why the local bar pulls for this team. 
It used to be Super Bowls. No, no, it is stories because that's the only thing we've had to live off of for 25 years. I am, uh, I am, I am, I, I'm actually extremely excited that it's football season. I love. Um, there's a lot of you that aren't that aren't uh, sports fans, and I know I use a lot of sports analogies on the show. It's just just something that I do, but. The thing you have to understand is like college football is great. Love it. It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Dig it. The NFL is great, though, because, number one, it's it's really good football. Uh, but not only that, there there are stories. There, there are players you can follow. Uh, fantasy football makes it a ton of fun. Even the most pedestrian fan can learn to really enjoy football because of the way that it's set up with fantasy uh, and a lot of the different other things that are that are out there. But I just love it. Because sports is really boring. <laughs> Two months up till football, there's nothing to talk about. It is. De- I mean, when all of a sudden you're like, "Well, I can watch some ESPN." I, I wonder what's going on in NASCAR. NASCAR. It's French. It's a French sport. NASCAR. Um, I am. Uh, I- I'm just happy that we got football back. It's great. It's fantastic. It puts a smile on my face, at least for right now. <laughs> until the team completely falls apart. And then there's always fantasy. But uh, all kidding aside, there there is something that uh, I, I like about football. I don't um, – I'm not saying you need to stick your head in the sand with issues and things like that that are out there today. But there is a distraction when every now and then, I don't know, we need to we need to dial it back a little bit. I've been saying that now for about two years. I don't think anybody's listening. My 48-hour rule, no one listens to that. No one listens to that anymore. I I still go by it, but but n- nobody else does. That's fine. Uh, but it's nice every now and then to have some kind of distraction where we can sit around with friends and family members. And football football's always done that for me. Um, my wife doesn't really love it, uh, but she'll watch a game with me, or she'll keep up with how the Cowboys are doing and learn the players. I'm going to see if she's going to hop in some fantasy football with me and some friends. We're going to create a, a league and see if we can get uh, a little bit more competition going and see if that because I don't I don't expect her to become a huge NFL nut or even to really just love football. But uh, since it is such a big part of what Bryn and I do, I, I would like for her to be able to at least enjoy it on <laughs> those times that she decides to to watch it with us. So um, maybe a follow up to that in the future. Um, I want to get to something very important here, though. The, the, the meat of the show, um, I think, is a little bit of a distraction, probably from what's going on out there for a lot of you. And I tried to think, I, I you know, Maria and I discussed doing a, a whole other type show the other day concerning the issues that are really talked about right now. But I, I'm going to be very frank with you and tell you out of the news and the opinions I've seen over over everything, I've decided to leave it alone for right now. I just have. And it's not that I want to ignore it. There are plenty of other places you can go to find uh, your viewpoint, because I don't think many people want to see opposing viewpoints anymore. But you can go to see your viewpoint. Ah, let me be fair. You, you can go to find whatever viewpoint you'd like to hear it discussed. You can go find, um, with everything that's going on, whether it's political, whether it, well, everything's politi- political nowadays, or, 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 or what have you. I, I don't want to do that today. So I was trying to think, what, what what should I talk about? And and something popped up a couple weeks ago, and I was going to stay away from it. And uh, last night, 
I was in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, sorry, folks, that I did not contact all my friends that don't know I slide up there uh, every other week. I swear, to, I swear, one of these nights I'm not gonna have anything to do. I'm gonna give you guys a call. Sorry, Buchanan's. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to catch up with you soon. I promise. Um, I uh, it something hit me the other night, and I was like, you know, I was going to just skim over this topic because I normally do not talk about this on the show, but. In light of everything that's out there, and quite frankly, because I'm hearing a lot of talk about it right now, I, I want to go back and, and, and hit that. So uh, I've got an interesting subject that I want to bring to you that is something that I, I, quite frankly, I speak about every day. And it's something that a lot of my friends and a lot of other family members don't know. And um, I thought it would be a good time for us to sit and talk about it because I think there's a lot of positive. Um, I think there's a lot of positive. Um, issues surrounding this and uh, i think it's a i think it's a great a great thing for us to spend some time with sorry I'm, I'm sitting here and professional podcaster work can't leave me alone just get the text all night long uh before we uh, get to the next part though i do want to remind you if you are a listener to the show if you're a listener to welding a family uh, if you've enjoyed their shows, it's been really funny lately. Go check them out. There's an issue with iTunes. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You can go. You should be able to go to the local bar media page and check it out. But I, I, I need to double check that. Um, I, we, we hopefully will have it back up. If you're a Podbean listener, you can catch it there. Uh, we do put it up on the Facebook page. Go check out Facebook local bar media. And you should be able to get welding a family. It's been a lot of fun. But if you've been listening. For the past couple of months, you'll know that we are helping our buddy Andrew Evans, Ace Evans. Uh, he is running the New York City Marathon uh, coming up this fall, and he's he's doing it. Uh, he's spot. He's uh, raising money uh, for a program called Education Through Music. And what Education Through Music does is they go into schools um, in I know in California and New York, uh, a lot of lower income schools, and they and they walk in. And they pay for an entire music program, instruments, music, the room. They even hire the teacher. So it doesn't cost the school anything. They're able to come in and bring music to these kids' lives. Something that's very important to, uh, to all of us here at Local Bar Media and, um, and something that was a very important part of my life growing up. And it's great to know that even in schools where those funds have been cut, uh, those programs have been decimated to where they don't exist anymore, that there are groups out there that are bringing that into schools without raising tax money for folks, without uh, getting into the school budget. You can check them out, Education Through Music, if you want to look them up. But if you go to patreon.com slash local bar, if, if you don't know what that is, that, that is a, a, a website where you can go, you pull out your credit card or debit card, and you basically pledge to the show, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, fifty dollars um and it's a it's a monthly gift that you give the show it kind of helps us cover our costs and expand and do do some other things that we want to do but for june july and august any money that comes in is going right over there to uh to andrew evans uh for the education through music program so help us help him he's he's actually reached a goal that he didn't think he was going to already so for those of you who have given we really appreciate but we really want to blow this out and and let the the guys over at education through music know how much we appreciate them so if you can check it out patreon.com slash local bar and uh support for these three months my man mr a7s he is a heck of a guy 
uh, with the with the great uh, with the great calls in front of him. Okay, so um, in trying to find something lighthearted and positive to talk about, I've decided to talk about my work this week. And if you don't know what I do for a day job, <laughs> strap in. Here's uh, ten things that you've gotten wrong about what Chad does for work, and uh, we'll jump into that now. Well, I, I don't know how long you've listened to this show. Maybe you don't know what I do. Uh, I am not some uh, somebody who does podcast and is independently wealthy or makes a lot of money from his Patreon or where he doesn't have to work. No, I have to have a day job. Uh, it's, uh, it's important for me and my family to eat. While I appreciate those of you who support us over at uh, Patreon.com, uh, I'm not to the, <laughs> to the point where I could just... Uh, I can just sit and have a have a have a good time doing this. Um, no, I, I've worked in senior health now for for ten years. I've worked in uh, the the medical sales and marketing community for a, about twenty years now. But I've worked predominantly in senior health uh, over over ten years, and uh, it's crazy. Uh, most of the folks there, there are a lot of folks. I, I understand where where. Most of you who are listening to this show uh, do not want to to do much with senior health. Um, you, you'll see, like if you're if you're part of a church, uh, a lot of times this is something that I've seen. Oh my gosh, I, if I've seen this once, I've seen it twenty times. There's a there'll be a bunch of folks that'll say, "Hey, we need to do something with our Sunday school group. We need to find something to go. We could go talk to the shut-ins at the um, at the assisted living facility. People that are part of our church that can't can't get here anymore. I, I don't want to go to a nursing home, man." I don't really want to go in there, and 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 I understand, <laughs> I understand, I understand the reason why people don't want to, uh, and and you may not realize it, but I'll tell you what it is: it's because you're faced with your own mortality when you go to those, and we don't like that. <laughs> we struggle with turning forty, much less hoping you make it to eighty. It, it's a difficult thing, and I, and I get it, and. Um, I don't go around talking to a lot of my friends that I work with. I, I don't talk about work to them, but, um, and then when some of us get together, when a lot of us that work in my specific line of work get together and we talk about work at the bar, man, we've gotten strange faces from the bartenders that overhear us talking. Um, but it is, it is something that I, I want to bring up because there's a story that hit the news uh, a, a few weeks ago. And in my line of work, I deal with something that is incredibly veiled in misconceptions, and because of that, um, I see people. I see people stray away from it. Let me let me let me not keep you in suspense here. For those of you who don't know, I, I've worked in hospice now for about ten years, and I um, I don't do the hard work. I'll, I'll be quite frank with you: uh, the nurses and the caregivers, the, the doctors that oversee it. Uh, the people that work with those folks, they, they do all the hard work. I, I do the marketing. I do deal with uh, patient and family educations quite a bit. Uh, I work in, in, in a huge array of places within the medical community. 
but I also work in, in the regular community. Uh, people ask me to speak in churches, at community centers, uh, at, at different uh, different things around the country. Uh, well, not around the country, just maybe in a couple of states I've done it. But it, it, it's um, it's something that I, I, I enjoy. And um, for, for, for a long time, I even fought myself. Um, hospice can be very sad. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Um, the end result of folks that are on our hospice services is that they aren't here with us anymore. And, and so because of that, there is a very sad uh, component to what we do, no matter which way we try to look at it. There, there is, there is a, a marring of sadness somewhere, uh, even in the best parts of what we do. Because anytime we deal with loss, we hate it, right? I don't want to really get bogged down in that. I, we'll, we'll address that to an extent. Uh, that, that's not really wanna, what I want to focus on, because there's a reason why I wanted to bring this up today. If you haven't turned the show off just yet, please don't. Will you do me a favor and I want you to listen to this show? Even if this is something you're dealing with now or something you've dealt with in the past. I'm not going to get too deep here. But I do think it's important for you to know because I saw something that really bothered me the other day. You know Valerie Harper? Valerie Harper from Rhoda. Uh, she had the she had the show... Uh, um, Valerie, I think, too. Uh, back in the 80s, as a spinoff of that. I don't think it did too well, but I remember as a kid, I really liked it. Anyway, um, she is, uh, she's got brain cancer, from, from what I read, and uh, is not doing very well. And uh, I was really sad to hear that. Cancer is something that I hate, and uh, it's, a, it's a terrible disease and just ridiculous we're making wonderful strides in it every day but it is a very mean and very unfair disease it cares nothing for fairness that's not what it does and um with her form of brain cancer that she has i I think although i don't know for certain but i think it's pretty i don't i don't think it'll be too long and 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 she won't be here with us and and i was um uh she won't be here with us for too much longer is what i was gonna say i um I was really, I was really sad to see that. Whenever someone's got to deal with that and is taken too early, uh, because of something um, that can come and steal your life away very quickly, uh, I, I'm always sad about that. And I started reading the story, and and suddenly I came across a part of it that bothered me greatly. Now, my original reaction to this was not a very good one, um, but I was looking at it through the eyes of someone who has to deal with misconceptions every single day and sometimes really gets tired of having to deal with them. Every now and then I have to remind myself that it's not, and just to let you know, it's not just the public, it's the medical community as well. Tons of misconceptions about what we do on hospice. Uh, but um, one of the things that bothered me, though, was Valerie Harper's husband. His name is uh, Tony uh, Kakioti, I think is how you pronounce that. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I, I'm just I'm just going back. Uh, uh, <laughs> I said that she was on Rhoda. Uh, you probably remember her from Mary Tyler Moore. Okay, that's that's. Jeez, what is wrong with me? Um, she's been battling cancer, and um, back in July. Uh, the doctors recommended uh, to Tony that he put Valerie in hospice care. 
And here's a statement that he wrote on Facebook for all the fans. I've been told by doctors to put Val in hospice care, and I can't. Because of our 40 years of shared commitment to each other, and I won't because of the amazing good deeds she has graced us with while she's been here on Earth. We will continue going forward as long as the powers above allow us. I will do my very best in making Val as comfortable as possible. Um, there are two special angels on this planet masquerading as humans who live and work together. That has made it possible to have all of Val's needs taken care of. That bothered me greatly when I read it. And I'll get to the reason why that bothered me here in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about uh, a little bit about what we do in hospice. And I want you to understand that everything that I just read to you goes to show that this guy has got a couple of issues. Number one, he's probably extremely overstricken with grief. Grief begins now. Uh, beef, uh, br grief actually probably began when she got her um, her diagnosis. Um, it is a very, very tough thing to deal with. I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't walk you through it. Um, but it's one of those things that uh, you have to be aware of. We deal with denial a lot in our line of work. And denial ain't just a river in Egypt, baby. It is something that uh, weaves its way in and out of everything that we do. And, uh, and I worry. I worry when people have these kinds of thoughts because it allows for all the misconceptions that you believe about hospice to suddenly suddenly become truth, right? It, it, it becomes your truth. And so I want to go over uh, 10 things that um, I think are, are very important to understand about hospice. So whenever you have to deal with something like this, whenever you've got a friend that has to deal with this, or because I don't know if you realize this or not, the mortality rate of this planet is and always will be 100%. If there's ever a time that you need to think about this, it's best if it's been put in your brain somewhere. So when you do allow yourself to go to it for a little while, it helps. There's a, there's a thing that, that, that's out there. Um, it's called The Five Wishes. It's a really cool booklet that I really like. It's advanced directives. If you don't have advanced directives, you need to have them. If you were alive during the Terry Schiavo case, it was put right in front of your face while well, you need to have advanced directives, and they need to be spelled out very carefully and filed with the right people. But the Five Wishes booklet is really neat. It is, uh, it is something that you can get, and it walks you through everything. Hey, if you're sick, what do you want it to be like? You know, all the way to what do you want your funeral to look like? And you can put very specific things. And, and really what it is is a conversation starter for you and your loved ones and your family so that when it comes time to have these discussions, you can have them. My grandmother, uh, the last one, not the last one that passed away, my, my, my grandmother, the third grandparent I had that passed away, had everything in her funeral down, written down to a T. So no one had to worry about a thing. We just got to be her kids. You know, that, that's what we had to be that day. And we had to focus on each other and the beautiful woman that she was. It was, it was brilliant what she did. And she didn't want to sit, she wasn't a negative person. She wasn't sitting around thinking about her death all day long. But she knew enough that whenever it 
she was okay with thinking about it. Yeah, you know, I haven't finished that list of things that I want. I'm going to sit down for a little bit and think about it. Sometimes our mind really allows for us to be comfortable. When you have those moments, be quite frank with you, you need to think about it. I don't want to scare you, but I can promise you, you never really know when it's going to come. There's no clock above our head where we can look and see when it's going to when it's going to all end up, you know. But um, but yeah, we uh, you know one of the things that we deal with is just uh, the the misconceptions that are there with hospice, and and I want you to think about some of the ones that maybe you've thought of before. One of the first ones that that I hear, um, and and probably hear this one a lot is that hospice is somewhere where you go. It's a building. Uh, there are places where you can go. Uh, there's a hospice house. Uh, that's a place where you can go to get like kind of like a hospital type setting if your if your symptoms can't really be controlled. But hospice can really happen anywhere. Most of the time, it happens at home. You see, people want to be home. A lot of folks do. They're more comfortable there. They don't want to have to keep getting up and going to the hospital. That's what we do. We basically bring the hospital to you. Something's not going right. We bring people to you. Two of the groups. Um, that can help me explain this are the two of the groups that utilize hospice the least nationwide nationwide the two groups that uh, that we see common thread of folks that do not want to use hospice and that is african-americans and hispanics and the reason why is a cultural thing or at least an excuse that we hear and and yes i do say it's an excuse and not a reason let me explain the what they'll say to us a lot of times when we're interviewing those families and talking to them or giving them an education about what hospice does, they'll say, no, no, see, we don't, we don't need hospice because we are going to take care of mom. That's what we do. We gather up. We're a family. We're going to be here. We're going to take care of her. And I get that, and I think that's very important, and I think it's wonderful uh, when people want to do that, and we should do that more often. We should take care of our loved ones and our neighbors more like we used to do back a long time ago. I remember growing up, um, there was an elderly couple, couple that lived next door to your, your grandparents. Well, whenever that, that couple got too old, they probably moved in with your grandparents for a little bit. Um, my grandparents had them. And um, they, they understand uh, community. They had a better sense of what the word community actually meant. And, and I loved it. But we, we, we don't do that enough. And I can really appreciate... Uh, the, both of those groups and the culture that exists there where they feel like they need to do that, where, where, they're, where they're being misled is the fact that uh, that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, they are, but there's a, there's a point that they're missing. On hospice, they get to take care of mom the way they want to. Mom gets sick, she doesn't have to go to the hospital where they're like, nah, we got to admit this lady, she's not going to make it. Mom doesn't want to be in the hospital. Well, she's going to the hospital, she's got to be in here. No, hospice allows for you to take care of her. I will send you a nurse twice a week to check on your mom's meds and do whatever a clinical person needs to do and keep you informed of the best way to take care of her. I, I send a group of people to you. I send a social worker to you and your family to help with any of the needs you may have, whether it's financial or, or even just just grief. See, I, I, what I do is I send a group of people who allow for you to keep mom at home and keep her comfortable the way that she's supposed to be. So the, the bulk of the work that we do is actually in homes. We do work in hospitals. We work in skilled facilities and assisted livings. Um, we, we work just about anywhere, really. Heck, you want to be on the moon, we can do it. 
there was a gentleman one time that was uh, had our attention from Adult Protective Services. He was in a hotel. Guy wasn't doing well. He wasn't going to live very long. APS had the hotel covered. Sure. We'll come take care of him there. You're the quarterback. You you let us know what you want to do. And so there's that there's that misconception, number one. The thing I hear the most is that, that hospice is a building where you've got to go to. And that's not really at all. Um, number two, the, the, the myth I hear quite a bit is that it's for cancer patients only. Cancer is one of the things where you do see a lot of hospice folks on. Um, a lot of times when cancer is very advanced and there is nothing else you can do, um, it, cancer can be very painful. And the bulk of what we do is is symptom management, basically pain management. That, 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 that's We want people to be as comfortable as they can be. So um, it's very easy to relate it to cancer, but that's not all that we have. There are people that have HIV, uh, people, a lot of people that have dementia, uh, quite a few folks that have um, renal issues, uh, maybe even some folks that uh, heart failure, chronic heart failure. This we, we, we all the whole gamut. If you're not doing well, and you're not going to go after. Um, therapies that are uh, very aggressive then maybe we're for you because we're there for your symptom management no matter what your symptoms are even though primarily what we deal with is pain and that's what people associate a lot with cancer that's not that's it's not what we do um myth number three hospice care is expensive that is one of the most false things you will ever hear hospice care is probably already paid for for you uh, the bulk of what we bill is Medicare. And hospice is paid out of Medicare. There are some private insurance that does it. TRICARE will do it as well. But there's this idea that, that hospice is, uh, is very uh, expensive. There's another thing that goes along with that. Um, because when people are making these decisions, you know, money is one of the ones they jump to. And when you ask why, uh, they're really worried about dwindling their funds because what if something comes along what if there's a chance to do something different? And people think that hospice care means giving up hope. It's a big myth that I hear. When you, when you sign up for hospice, it doesn't mean you have to all of a sudden think, oh my gosh, everything's over. Now, I, I'll tell you something. It does require a, a, a shift, if you will. Uh, it does require a, a different perspective of where things are going. But it doesn't mean that hope has got to, to leave. Because you see, what, what happens is we go from talking about how long your life will be to what the quality of your life will be for what you have left. And so many times, so many times, people are more, uh, they're more happy, they're more comfortable, and there is a hope about them. Usually it has something to do with whatever their faith is. I get you. Um, but there, there is something to where you don't give up hope. You learn to really embrace that time that you have. And that hope now turns from, I want to live longer to, I want to live the best that I can. And so while there is that shift, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean um, that you, you have to give up hope. 
there's a lady um, that I called on when I was when I was um, when I was first starting out. Uh, I had to do ride-alongs with the, with this chaplain, and there's this lady in an assisted living, and she had this beautiful room. It was up in the upstate of South Carolina, and she had this gorgeous room. It was, it was really pretty, and um, you walked in, and it had multiple rooms inside of it. I mean, it was like it's like a, an apartment. It was a great apartment, uh, and this lady wasn't doing well. I mean, she was on hospice, so we didn't think she was going to be around for forever. But the um, the chaplain and I would go and, and, and talk with her. And I, I remember riding with him one day. And we walked in, and he'd knock on the door. And she'd say, I'm not gone yet. And he'd come on in. He's like, yeah, so the Lord's not done with your mansion yet. Oh, no, no. I think he's putting in new windows this week. We leave and ask Chapel, what in the world was that about? He's like, yeah, it's a Bible verse. Talks about God preparing your house for you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm sorry. Keep in mind, my dad's the preacher, not me. I don't know what the verse was. I go back with him a couple of days later because we had to run over to that assisted living facility. I took him with me. Hey, let's go stop by and see that lady. Okay. So we walk out there. He knocks on the door. You in here? Yep. I think he's putting in new marble countertops everywhere, baby. Come on in. A couple weeks later, we went by, and uh, we both looked at each other and said, what's it going to be? Gold-plated toilet handle? Nah, man, that's not her. Probably something to do with the roof. All right, let's see what it is. He knocks on the door. Nothing. Knock again. Nothing. We walked inside. You could see where people had begun packing up her stuff. He he did the thing and a lot of us that that work in this line of work when we're when we're surprised um he put his hand on my shoulder for a second we both knew what we wanted to do and I went over and stood by the window for a second. He went and stood by our bed and we sat there and we thought about that lady for a few minutes, gathered ourselves together. And then left. And I remember when I stood by that window, one of the things that I thought of is like, that is, this is one of the happiest people I've ever seen go through that, go through that period of their life. But she was happy every day. She wasn't scared of anything. She wasn't worried about anything. Oh, she worried that her family wouldn't be okay. And she had letters written to lots of them. And she had talked to the bereavement counselor about how she really worried about her folks and things that she wanted them to know after she was gone. But she was very happy. Hope was for something different, and it was actually a, a, a rather a rather beautiful thing. And I I absolutely I absolutely love that. It reminded me that hope takes different forms. Myth number six is that uh, hospice is uh, is only for uh, old folks, the elderly. It's not. Now, there's no reason to really get into this. Uh, but there's pediatric hospice. Uh, there's hospice for uh, people of all ages. And if you have a, a chronic disease where a practitioner thinks that you may have around six months or less, no matter what your age is, if you are seeking aggressive therapy, uh, there is most likely a, a hospice diagnosis that you can get for you to come on services. I could tell you the stories. They're quite they're quite beautiful. 
but they're heart-wrenching. So why don't you just believe me on this one and understand that your buddy Chad has seen enough of that to, to know that that's just a misconception and a myth you can go ahead and just sweep under the rug. It, it, it doesn't. It's not true. Hospice is for people uh, of any age. Now, uh, one of the other things that we hear is people think that there's no uh, regulation. There's nobody that's overseeing hospice. And that's not true. Uh, we have we have uh, uh, quality assurance boards that we have in-house. We have a criteria that we have to meet. We have scores that we have to meet as far as care is concerned. You would not believe all the work that goes into making sure that hospices are there and what and what they and, and making sure that they're giving the best care. They, they they are there for the most trying time in people's lives. We'll get to more on that here in a second. But the the regulations there. Every now and then I'll hear people say, "Well, who knows what's going to happen when you go on hospice?" Actually, quite frankly. I don't know that there's a group I've ever worked with that's more regulated than what hospice does. It just because we have to do it in everybody's. Well, hospitals are extremely well, well regulated. Well, we have to perform hospice there. Skilled facilities, which go ahead and come on now. Uh, but skilled facilities are much more. We have to do it there, too. So we not only have to meet your regulations. We have to do ours. So it's it's a it's a very well regulated um franchise uh patients must give up their regular doctors when entering hospice care that's not true um there's there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion with this if you're if you're if you're going to a specialist and the specialist says you need hospice care and you really want to keep seeing the specialist you know you have to ask yourself what do you want to go see the specialist for you know, I really like my oncologist. Are you taking chemotherapy anymore? No. Why, why are you wanting to go see them? It doesn't mean you can't, but there there are questions around that. But your, your, your family practice doctor, you don't have to give up your doctors. The, the, people that, the people that you want to be around you to be a part of your care plan is something that we can really, really do. Um, number nine, hospice care is stressful for family members and friends. There's probably nothing further from the truth. Um, hospice does a wonderful thing to help alleviate the stress in someone's life. I had a, I had a moment with someone where I rolled the, man, I mean, I rolled the dice with this guy and I probably shouldn't have, I don't know. I, looking back on it, it was the right thing, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go recommend anybody do this. There's a, there's a family and there was a committee. Let me tell you what I mean by a committee. In, in, in health care, when you're dealing in senior care especially, and you have the patriarch or the matriarch of the family, and then you've got a few brothers and sisters, and everybody wants to be involved and put their two cents in. Instead of one person being a health care power of attorney and financial power of attorney, no, we want all of them to share in that. And while that sounds like a great idea, mom and dad, it is actually one of the most difficult things that those of us they're in this line of work, uh, have to deal with because everybody hops on WebMD or they do their internet search and all those misconceptions that we've been talking about, everyone's got a different viewpoint and they're all right. And they couldn't all be more wrong because what needs to happen is people need to come together 
instead of having a debate like we're in the middle of parliament when we're trying to figure out what's the best course of action for someone to take care of. Now, I'm not, you know, it's an important decision, and I can understand why people want to be very passionate about it. But there is a lot of stress that comes with that. Most of the time when we come in, we are there because everything else hasn't worked. And that even means with the decisions about care. There was a guy. He was the loud one in the room. There were about six brothers and sisters. And he was a minister. And we were talking about his mom. And we are talking about how she was doing. And she, she wasn't doing very good. And, and as a matter of fact, she probably should have been on hospice uh, three or four months before we even had this discussion. Uh, her pain was getting out of control. We were having a hard time keeping her in-house. This was in an assisted living facility. And the assisted living was getting very uh, upset about it, saying that they didn't want her to leave. They knew she wanted to be in, in that place. That's where she wanted to be uh, when she was going through this transitional part of her life. But the family wasn't listening. And this this one brother would not stop. It didn't matter what anybody said. He wanted to to say the opposite. And he started to preach. <laughs> he started to preach and he started to talk about, he started to talk about Lazarus. And Lazarus, Lazarus, if you don't know your Bible, the story of Lazarus goes this way, that Jesus came by. Uh, some people wanted Jesus to come. Uh, he got there three days later because, you know, three is everywhere in the Bible. He walks in. He raises Lazarus from the dead and everyone rejoices in Jesus. Uh, it's the shortest verse of the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus was so overcome with joy. He wept when he saw the family reunited. And he talked about how his, his mom was going to see it through. She was going to be back up. I'm walking around and she was going to be, I remember, she was going to be back cooking Thanksgiving dinner. This lady hadn't cooked Thanksgiving dinner in four years because she's been with us. I had been cooking her Thanksgiving dinner. But okay, fine. He keeps going. He keeps going. It's the point to where people are groaning in the room. His brother, brothers and sisters are rolling their eyes, but they can't do anything unless they have this guy bought in. He looked at me for some kind of connection to show that he at least had a point. Brother Alexander, tell them. Tell them that this happens all the time. So I was honest with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see people get better. I see people that I think are, there's no way they're coming out of that hospital and they come back and they're with us for a long time. I have seen that. And he just jumped up and down. He thought he had had it. I was like, you know what you need to do? You don't need to take my word for it. You don't need to get me. We need to get there. I, we need to get an expert in on this. Who's that, Brother Chad? We need to call Lazarus. Let's call him. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure with Google, we can find. If we can't, you know, I'm sure we can shoot him an email. Why don't we shoot? Why don't we shoot Lazarus an email? Brother Chad, that was a long time ago. Yeah, I know it was a long time ago, but he came back to life, right? Brother Chad, uh, I'm pretty sure Lazarus died a long time ago. You're right, he did. Where is he now? He's not here, is he?
the guy started crying. I saw a weight come off of his shoulder. Like it or not, Jesus pulls a magic trick in the end. That mortality rate is still 100%. I'll give you a little I'll give you a little bonus to that story here at the end of the show. <clears throat> but that stress, that stress came right off that family. I could see it. Suddenly they were talking differently. Suddenly they were all understanding what they were they were faced with. Suddenly everybody. Everybody breathed a little easier. And each passing day a little easier. A little easier. I remember that lady's passing. I remember I could hear it down the hall. They started singing. Arms around each other. After they were done singing, telling stories. Having a prayer. The brother led it. And then as the mortuary came and uh, took her body out uh, to get ready for the celebration they would have uh, later on at the church. They all put their arms around each other as they as they left. There was no stress among them sadness yes but no stress the last thing and and probably the thing we hear the most is that hospice shortens life it doesn't um i, I worked for a guy one time that said uh, that a lot of times hospice prolongs life no it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't you can see people I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you where that where that misconception comes in as i explain this a lot of times people will come to us and they'll be on all these different kinds of medications and we'll cut down their medications because they don't need them. And whenever we do, suddenly, once their medications leave their body, they realize, oh, my God, I, I would have done better without them. And that happens a lot. There was a there was a lady one time that we put on hospice. She had 18 different medications that the doctor cut them down to three. The sister was like, what? how in the world is she going to live? Apparently, she lived pretty well because two months later, we had to take her off hospice because she was doing so much better. <laughs> uh, but hospice does not, does not hasten death. It just does not prolong life. And, and what I mean is we, we aren't taking any measures to try to find a way. You're not going on feeding tubes. You, you're, not, you're not going on machines to keep your life going. But we're not speeding anything up. We're letting your body take its natural course of action while we manage those system, uh, symptoms that are primarily pain. But people think that, oh, hospice means you it's back to that giving up. Like I said in the beginning, it's back to that giving up and you know you're just going to die now that you're on hospice. The reason why you say that is because most people wait till the last two weeks to put somebody on hospice. But you don't have to wait till you need to put mama's name in the church bulletin before you put them on hospice. There's so much benefit that comes from being on hospice, so much of a benefit of working with the social workers and working with the volunteers that come in, letting the aides and the nurses come in. And yeah, if you're a spiritual person, that chaplain come in and spend time with you. And there's such a great benefit to what goes on, the counseling that goes with that, the people that will walk you through the doors. It's, it's the greatest mystery we're ever going to know in life. About 47 people personally been there 47 people who helped them walk them to that door i have no idea what's on the other side of that door but i have watched the nurses and the aides and the chaplains and people that are around them walk those people to the door i don't do it hastily i don't speed it up we just walk with them 
I want to get those, all those out of the way because I want you to understand that the reason I got so angry with the Facebook message from Valerie Harper's husband was because almost every one of those misconceptions lives in what he said. And it's infuriating because he's a celebrity with celebrity status and all that does is add life and some element of false truth to the misconceptions we deal with on a daily basis. But that's me looking at it through the eyes of a guy that's probably tired after a long day of answering the same questions over and over again. And I'm not looking at it from the perspective of a husband that is grieving. I don't, I don't think Tony's listening to the show. But anybody who finds themselves in the issue that Tony's in, I want to I tell you just a couple of things about his statement. I've been told by doctors to put Val in hospice care, and I can't. Because of our 40 years of shared commitment to each other, and I won't because of the amazing good deeds she has graced us with while she's been here on earth. What do you think we do? Hospice doesn't come in and speed up anyone's death. He continued, we will continue going forward as long as the powers above allow us. I will do my very best in making Val as comfortable as possible. But you're not. See, that's what we do. There's another part of what we do that we don't really go around talking about because it is nothing to do with anybody else's business except for the patients we deal with. It's called dignity. We come in and we're able to administer what someone wants the way they want it in a dignified manner that doesn't involve anybody else except for those loved ones around them that they want to have a part of it. We allow for you to keep someone as comfortable as possible in the place where you want them to be and where they desire to be. And let me tell you something about this, too. It wasn't long after that. He started a GoFundMe. Her medical bills piling up. He started in July a GoFundMe because of the rising cost of her battle with cancer. We don't cost a thing. We even take care of the medications that have to do with the disease state. We take care of the pain medications. We do all that. You see, what Tony's missing is that we give him the ability to do exactly what he wants to do for his wife. And he's missing it. Now, let me tell you why it bothers me the most. I've seen 47. I've seen with my own eyes 47. I've seen hundreds of people that have benefited from being on hospice. But, you know, throughout our country this past year, for all the people that could have passed away on hospice, that had it paid for by Medicare, maybe their insurance 
TRICARE, no matter what it is, anybody who could have passed away on hospice, only 25% of the people that could have did. About 75% of the people that could have did not. And I've seen those deaths. They are part of the 47 that I've seen. They're not pretty. They are painful. They can be undignified. They can be harsh. And they can tear a family apart. Now, because I want to keep this on the positive side of things, let's go back to that 25%. Most of the time when we're brought in, that comfort is there that I talked about from before. That hope is there. That fear leaves. The comfort is there. Everyone's prepared. Then when it's done, we don't leave. One of the cool things about hospice is we're there for 13 months after someone passes away for everyone in the family to get them through all the big events in life, that Christmas, that birthday, all the way through the day that they pass away. We're there. Not everybody utilizes us, but we don't leave. It is, it is a beautiful thing and a part of life that is just a part of life. As much as it is that you were born, everyone who is listening to this podcast will one day not be here. There's about 11,000 of you that listen to this show a week. Next week, some of you won't be here. It is a part of life we deal with. I'm not saying I'm happy or that we should be looking forward to it. No. But that last part of your life doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be full of pain. It doesn't have to be full of medical bills that are stacking up. It doesn't have to have that confusion, that helplessness, that, oh, my God, what is happening in the middle of the night? Who do I call? Do I take her to the hospital? She's in so much pain. I don't even want to put her in the car. No, I can send someone to you. We can be there in a minute. We can walk you through this. As a matter of fact, we'll tell you what you're going to see next. So that all you have to do is focus on being a husband, a wife, brother, sister, son or daughter. That's all you have to do. So it's a shame, you know. It's a shame what he's going through. It's a shame what she's going through. It's unfair. It's ridiculous. I hate cancer. I hate all of them. But it's a part of the human existence that something somewhere is going to cause us to not be here anymore. Now, what happens after all that? I don't know. Uh, you can talk to my dad about that. He's the one that, that takes care of that part. <laughs> and yeah, I've got some pretty neat stories when it comes to that stuff and what happens at the very end. And, and some of them are very positive and very fun to share. And I, I really do. I really do enjoy that. But I wanted to bring this message today because, you know, I talk about this a lot, but I don't want to talk about it on the show because, again, there's misconceptions. People think this is a very sad subject, and I, I, I get that. But again, and not to be scary, I see what happens when it's not there. 
One of my favorite stories is there was a young man. Uh, mom was uh, 92 years old. Grandma. Grandma was 92 years old. Went to the hospital, uh, hospital to visit him. The case manager there had really, really wanted this lady to go on hospice and, and knew that she needed it. Doctor had recommended it. Son just wasn't having it. So they asked me if I'd go up there and talk to him. He actually wasn't go, going to go along with, with our hospice, but the, the, the hospice rep that was calling on them was really bad. <laughs> and so uh, I, I had to deal with some of my hospitals that if they ever really needed it, I would take my name tag off and I would walk in and I would say, I'm with hospice. And whoever was going to pick him up or whoever he was going to choose, he would choose. So I sat down and I talked to him and she was laying there in bed, her eyes closed. And he gave me the speech, not unlike what that uh, nice reverend had said in my office that day. She's going to get up. She's going to get through this. This isn't her time. This is where she's going to get up and she's going to overcome this. My grandmother is a fighter. She's fought her whole life. She's going to fight now. Before I could say anything, this extremely frail voice started talking to both of us from the left. Fight for what? I am 92 years old, son. I am tired. I didn't have to say a thing. He sat down and she told him that she had fought because she was supposed to, but this was her time. That she wasn't going to live forever. That she knew that he was going to miss her because that's exactly what he was supposed to do. The pain we feel when someone leaves is the tax that we have to pay for loving them so much. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. We miss people because we're supposed to. If we didn't, then they didn't mean that much to us in our life. It's supposed to hurt when they're gone. But a lot of times when we want them to stay with us, it is more painful for them to stay than for them to go. And we don't understand that. Even all the times that I've seen it, I still have, I still have doubts about that in my head when I have someone close to me that is knocking on that door. But it's the truth. And we don't see it. The bonus part of that story about Lazarus that, that that I'll share with you. If you're a if you're a spiritual person, um, but even if you're not and you know the story, um, l- let me just share it with you anyway. Um, I've always been amazed at the way that the Bible is written because the Bible is written for very specific reasons in very specific ways. It calls attention to itself. I mean, the Bible is nothing but sound bites. I mean, geez, the, the story of Jesus from from birth to death, to death takes about like 12 pages if you look at the actual Bible. I mean, everything's basically a soundbite. Nothing went, went by that fast, right? But I've always thought it was very interesting that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. It should call attention to something, right? He brings Lazarus back from the dead and he weeps. He cries because he's overcome with joy because of what he was able to perform. But was he really? Here's, here's Chad's thought on that. All you biblical scholars, you can stop rolling your eyes to the back of your head. Just listen for a second. I don't think that's why Jesus wept. Jesus did a lot of other crazy things, right? Jesus he healed a leopard. 
<laughs> I said leopard. He, he healed. He healed the jungle cat. No, a leper. He he made a blind man see. He had brought other people back from the dead. Jesus had done amazing things. Jesus knew what he had. He was the son of God. He was God in flesh. He, there was nothing he couldn't do. Why did, why did Jesus weep? Think about that. Why did he? Let me tell you what I've learned in, in this line of work. And it is something that I know inherently to be true. Jesus did not weep because he brought Lazarus back. Jesus wept because he knew what he was bringing Lazarus back from. And we don't pay attention to that. We pay attention to the fact that he was there, but he eventually left, right? He eventually went back where he was supposed to go. He was taken from a place where there was no pain or anything anymore and brought back to a human form that knew only pain. There's a lot that happens when we walk through that door that I can't tell you because I don't know. And the only time ever I'm ever going to know or you are ever going to know is when we are walking through it personally. But I can tell you, I can tell you there's other doubts that people have and misconceptions that they have. Worries, myths, a lot of things that are really hard that they don't know what to get through. You see, when it comes to senior health, when it comes to the hospice part of our life, when it comes to anything that has to do with the end of our life, we have a problem. We think we sit there and we don't know where to go because there's nowhere to go. And that's not true. The truth of the matter is there are a million places to go and that is daunting to try to figure out. And we help people. We put our arms around them and we say, which way you want to go? You want to go that way? We'll walk with you. You got pain? We'll help you. Anxiety, grief, worry? We're there for you. It hurts my heart that Tony has these misconceptions and doesn't know that the things that he's dealing with could be taken care of by what the doctors told him to do. I hope he I hope he finds his way through it. I hope he overcomes his doubt and his grief and he's there for her the way that he really wants to be. All I can do is hope. I mean, I work in hospice. That's what we do. things that I, I will say that uh, if you are someone who is going through something like that if you have questions like that about like that about that about hospice or anything else having to do with senior health uh, you can shoot me an email uh, if I don't know the answer I can point you in the right direction uh, I know it can be confusing and families don't know where to go one of the worst things you can do is let your denial or the things you think are uh, maybe true uh, one of the worst things you can do is not look into them so please make sure you do that so I, I, I know it's weird that I say we have so much crazy stuff going on in the world. Let's talk about death <laughs> instead of that. 
Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, I enjoy my job because it reminds me of how precious all this stuff really is. In the end, no one, you've heard the story, you've heard the saying, no one sits on their deathbed and says, I wish I had worked longer. But no one says any of that crap. No one says, I wish I had won that debate. I wish I'd gone to that protest. Now, what I usually hear is I wish I had treated them better. I wish I had been there for her when she needed me. Sometimes it's I wish I could see them get married, but it's usually followed by I know they're going to be okay. You can learn a lot from watching someone walk through those last couple of days. It's all the same. It really is. There's a peace that exists and there's an opportunity for you to do some self-reflection about what's important in your life. Take life seriously, yes, but probably take yourself a whole lot less seriously. There's a positive thing to walking people through this path. Sure, there's a lot of burnout, sad days. Oh, for every good story, I got a bunch of sad ones too. Sure. But man... Man, nothing makes you feel more alive than knowing you still have a day to continue doing it, living it, having fun in it, enjoying it. We're so we're so caught up in things now. Oh, there's serious stuff to deal with. Don't get me wrong. But we're so caught up in the right way to do this and the right way to do that. It's got to be done this way now. These people that disagree with me are, are these type of people. I'm just going to label and split off from everyone. Life's too short to not live with your neighbor. Take it from a man who sees it come to a close every day. There's, there's a lot to be said for the positive part of dying. It's that you're, a, you're an incredible reminder to the people that are still here. That they need to continue to do the best they can every day. And most of the time, it means just treating each other better. It really does. I hope you got something out of the show today. Uh, I know it's a little different. But I don't. This is again why I don't talk about work because I'm sure it's uneasy for some of you to listen to. But I do want you to know that if you are experiencing this and going through it with a family member or a loved one, that it's going to be okay. We take care of people all the time. Things are going to turn out just fine. There's a there's a really pretty poem that I've I've seen uh, a thousand times. And I'm not going to recite it for you, but it's a it, it basically talks about a guy who's standing on a pier and there's a big beautiful ship next to him and it goes to sail off into the sunset. And he watches it watches it until it absolutely turns into a speck and then disappears and he says there she's gone. But where has she gone? 
out in the middle of that sea, that ship is still as beautiful. It's its mast is still as large. The sail still is bustling with the wind behind it. It is still just as large. It is just gone from from your sight, gone to a place, to another land, where people are standing there with open arms, saying, "Look, here she comes." And that that's what dying is. It's going to be okay. Everyone's going to be fine. This is a normal part of our lives. All of our lives. Sad. It can be scary. But with the right friends and loved ones around you, it's not. I promise you. It's all going to be okay. For the rest of us that stay behind, we need to remember that one day we'll be there. When you're sitting there thinking to yourself, what do you want to say? Maybe we need to ask ourselves that more today. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab, but if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. Yes, we will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Check us out over at localbarmedia.com. Check us out on Facebook, Local Bar Media. Until next week. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com.